This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Word to Stand On for Life. This is the Tuesday edition. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado, and if you are a regular listener to the radio show, then right now you're probably uh, in shock because you're not hearing Pastor Ron's voice. I have the privilege of filling in for him just a part of this week. Uh, I did yesterday. I'll do today's show and then tomorrow's show, and then Pastor Ron and Paula will return here in the studio to take your calls on Thursday. But in the meantime, I'll be filling in for him. The show will continue uh, as a Bible uh, question and answer show. So uh, let me give you the numbers. 210-340-9585. That's uh, 210-340-9585. The toll-free number is 877-630-5757. 877-630-5757. We've also got an e- email address where you can submit questions. The email address is questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, you can also submit questions via our mobile app, the church mobile app. You can use the KSLR mobile app to call into the show. If you're driving, it's the safest way to do that. You don't have to mess with your phone. Uh, so please take advantage of that. Well, like I said... It's Tuesday, and so uh, Pastor Ron and Paula wanted me to first convey their love to the radio listening audience. They miss you guys very, very much. Pastor Ron hates being away, uh, but he is at a pretty important conference there in California, one that he, he wouldn't go unless he really had to, and this one he has to be at. It's actually a pretty uh, a major conference. It's the, the Senior Pastors Conference there in Diamond Bar, California, at Pastor Raul Reese's church. If you remember, he was here at, at Calvary Chapel San Antonio just uh, a few weeks ago. And so now Pastor Ron gets to go back to his church where they're having the conference. And so uh, today's Tuesday, so there isn't much going on here. Oh, I do want to say something that's actually pretty funny. I just got a message from uh, Mama Paula. They're doing really well. They sent a couple of pictures, uh, a, a bunch of friends from California say hello. And then she says, well, we're going out now. We're going to get something to eat, and we're going to P.F. Chang's. And immediately, we, I thought, and we thought here at the church, well, what's Pastor Ron going to eat? <laughs> That's not his favorite restaurant. And the first thing we thought about is, well, whether or not they serve pancakes at P.F. Chang's, which we know they don't. And so, uh, not sure what he's going to eat, but I'm sure he's going to have a great time, Pop. So, have fun. (laughs) Um, 
uh, I was about to say here at the church on Tuesday nights, it's probably our most quiet night. There are some things going on, but uh, there's probably worship practice going on, but nothing that's really uh, open to the public. So it's a quiet night here at the church. Tomorrow we have other things going on. I'll tell you about that tomorrow. Uh, but I do, I wanted to share something that the, the, the Lord kind of touched my heart about, uh, and this was in last night's study, and then we'll get right into our questions. Last night's men's study was, was a really neat study. It was in Ephesians chapter 6. We just entered into the, the section in, in verse 10, beginning with the armor of God, a very familiar passage to many. And Last week, we spent time talking about what the Bible says about spiritual warfare. And then, you know, with the, with the events that happened during the weekend, um, you know, it, it, it really came into play. In fact, if you were listening to the radio show yesterday, or if you happened to miss it, uh, during the 3 o'clock hour on KSLR, uh, they did a wonderful thing. KSLR... Uh, organized uh, a pastor's panel, local pastors here in San Antonio, to be on the air and and uh, take questions and talk amongst ourselves about uh, the proper way to handle these kinds of events. And, and I loved what was said there on the panel. Uh, you know, we all said the same thing. You know, we need to point people to Jesus. It's in these times when people are hurting the most that people can see that there are real answers to the pain that they're going through. And so that podcast is available on the KSLR website. That's kslr.com. You'll find the podcast there at the top banner. Um, and then you can listen to it. There's, there, there were uh, quite a few of us, uh, including people, uh, other pastors who, who called in on, on the phone. And so it, it was neat. It was really neat. Take advantage of that. It's on the KSLR website if you want to listen to that pastor's panel podcast. Uh, but last night, uh, I was talking about, I began to talk about the, the spiritual warfare that's described in Ephesians 6. And that's the whole reason why God gives us his armor. And twice, Paul the Apostle says, put on the armor of God there in the first uh, three or four verses but then we last night got into the the first piece and you know I, I didn't want to spend too much time in, in over teaching the, the passages but it, it was something that stuck out so profoundly to me and, and the belt of truth is the first piece of armor that Paul describes and it's so important and this is what stuck out to me it is the central piece but probably the most minuscule, but the central piece of the entire armor that holds everything together. And so, with that, the Word of God being the truth, and Jesus saying that He is the truth, everything revolves around Him. It's upon Him in which our, our life hangs. And so, uh, as we get into the armor of God, um, it's an interesting way, a neat way, in which the armor is introduced just through this tiny piece of armor called the belt of truth. Anyways, I just wanted to share that with you. We do have some questions, um, but I don't, oh, we, I, actually, we have a caller. We don't want to have any callers wait, so let's take our first call. Line one, Rick, you're on the air. 
Hey, Pastor Ken, how are you today? I'm doing well, Rick. Thank you. Okay, um, my question was about the death of Christ. Uh, the other day, one of my coworkers uh, was talking about the spear that pierced his side and how the History Channel had, had made this thing about Christ would have died anyways if they hadn't have pierced his side with the spear. And I had never thought that I thought that he was already gone at that point. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on that and tell me the significance of it? I'll, I'll listen Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Rick, for your for your call, and thank you for your question. Uh, first, uh, the first thing I would say uh, before I get right into the question is we don't want to get our answers about Jesus from the History Channel. Uh, we don't want to get them from anywhere else but from the Bible. And so the Bible gives us these answers. And, and the, the place to turn, Rick, for that answer, how did Jesus die, is in John's Gospel in the 19th chapter. And he very clearly tells us that right before he died there in the 19th chapter, it says that later, knowing that all had happened, this is in verse 28, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. That's important. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And when he received the, uh, with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So it's at that point where he died. Uh, so we don't have to wonder about... Uh, how he died, because the Bible tells us exactly what happened. And it was at this point, uh, Rick, where it, this is important because these are the details that the, the, the History Channel or any other source is going to elaborate on because these are stories, uh, not even really true stories that provide all the details, but stories about Jesus from a non-biblical perspective. What the Bible does, especially here in John's chapter and in John's Gospel, he addresses the deity of Christ and the significance of his death. God had to pay the price. Uh, Jesus had to pay the price for our sin because it was his blood that was required. It was the perfect blood of Jesus that was required. Hebrews tells us that, not the blood of bulls and goats. Now, when it came to this point and Jesus was almost at the end of his life, he, he, he said these words. He said, it is finished. The, 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 the penalty that needed to be paid in order for us sinful men to be restored back to God has been fulfilled. And see, that's the kind of, that, those are the details. That's the main significance about the death of Jesus. How did he die? He died on the cross. He died by taking the brutal beating. And it wasn't just the cross, but it was the torture that led up to it the beating that he took on the Via Dolorosa, everything was part of God's wrath being poured out on Jesus. Second Corinthians then tells us that at that moment there was an exchange that took place. And, and it was his righteousness for my filth. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the significance 
of his death. So how did he die? He died on the cross, um, taking the punishment that you and I deserved, Rick. And so I, I hope that answers your question. Now, as far as the, the spear goes, that, that happened afterwards, right there in that same chapter, chapter 19 of John, uh, I think down in verse 35 or 34, when the Roman soldier took the, the spear and, 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 and stuck it on his side. But it was already before that, just like you said, Rick, where, where he'd already given up his spirit. So, Rick, you're absolutely correct, and you can tell your friend to turn to John chapter 19 for more details. Thank you for your question. I hope that helps, Rick. Let me give you the numbers for anyone else that wants to call in. 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. A toll-free number if you happen to be out of the area. That's 877-630-5757, 877-630-5757. And then our email, of course, is questions at calvarysa.com. You can submit your questions that way via email. You can use the app, the church app, or you can uh, or you can use the, the KSLR app to call into the show. Oh, the, I, I did get a quick note. Uh, if you want to look at or listen to the uh, pastor's panel that was on the KSLR website yesterday, it's at the front of the KSLR website. There's a banner there that says um, something about Sutherland Springs, but then it's labeled uh, the prayer vigil, on-air prayer vigil. And so that's actually, it's more of, uh, of a discussion among us pastors that were there, and then we do pray uh, at the end but it's called the on-air prayer visual. All right, guys. Uh, let's, hey, let's go back to our phone lines. Line one, Tanya from San Leandro, California. You're on the air. <laughs> Hi, Pastor Ken. How are you? Hi, Tanya. Uh, I listen <laughs> to you on the radio all the time, so I feel like I know you. You know, you do, because I remember you would uh, minister to my son, Marcus, when he was like six years old, and now he's 18, but... Um, he's 18 you know, now? I, 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 have, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. He's in college, yeah, I know. <laughs> and you know yeah, what, you, before, before you get to your question real quick, you're also near and dear to our hearts, because my wife is from Fremont. And so when we, oh, go, wow. when we go back to the Bay Area, uh, yeah, we know what it's like there in the Bay. <laughs> Anyways, gotcha, go ahead with your gotcha. question. It's, okay, so I have a question about discretion when it comes to prayer, and, and I'll give you uh, an instance. So I have um, a church, one of the church, a church that we do attend. Um, I do submit prayer requests for people that I, I encounter, and um, one of them has to do with a sickness. And so I put in a request, and maybe I'm just being oversensitive, or I guess my question has to do with discretion of when people who are praying for the people on the list. I had somebody, I had someone who is very gravely ill, and uh, this person that is on the prayer chain to pray, uh, she actually read my prayers and then went to talk to the person about what I had asked for prayer. And I guess my question is, what is the discretion when it comes to when you submit prayer requests? I understand that, you know, some things are very sensitive 
in nature, right. maybe a, a marriage struggling or finances. And I just, am I being over, because I felt a, a little uh, violated that the person took it upon themselves to go and right. speak to the person that I was praying for. And it's a very grave situation. It's an aggressive form of cancer. And, and you know, she, 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 the sister came to me and said, oh, you know what? I didn't know that you knew this person. I saw your prayer request. And so I went to talk to the mom. And I kind of felt like, I mean, it's good to pray, right? And I thought maybe you're hmm. being too sensitive. I said, let me call Pastor Ron, but today it's you, Pastor Ken, so I'm putting, <laughs> I'm going to take your answer off the line. But just really want to understand the discretionary part of when we really are praying for the fellow brethren. Oh, great question, Tanya. Great question. And, and I would first tell you that your discretion and your discernment about uh, details during uh, or regarding prayer requests is is correct uh, now so here's a more detailed answer when it comes to prayer requests we always want people to pray but prayer requests and, and corporate prayer is there's nothing bad about it in fact it's it's encouraged it's something we should be doing we should be doing more often but when it comes to specific details, that's unnecessary. The Lord knows what the details are. And, and when we uh, submit prayer requests, what I do, Tanya, is I, I ask people to submit the prayer request exactly how you want it to be read. And if, this is, there are, if there, it's vague or if there are uh, specific details, then, then I expect it that they want that information shared. But I don't think it's a good idea to take a, a vague prayer request and try to dig further uh, to get more details and to get more names. Now, there are certain cases where um, that wouldn't apply. Um, like as far as discretion goes, when I uh, catch wind of a prayer request that involves someone being in danger, obviously that's something I need to investigate. And that's something that needs to be tracked down, and I need to make, need to make sure, if they're here locally or they're within the church body, I, I need to make sure that they're okay. And if that requires me to go a little bit further and get some details, I'll do that. But I won't share that information during a time of prayer that would be just to provide safety. When it comes to the time of corporate prayer itself or getting together with people during prayer, there's no need to get um, too detailed. There's no need to get explicit uh, because, again, the Lord knows exactly what the needs are. But offering up our prayers and our requests and our supplications to the Lord is, is what we do so that our hearts can align with God. And what level of detail is given in the prayer is really irrelevant. Um, and so, so Tanya, yes, I, I would agree with your discernment. Uh, discretion is always advised, especially when it comes to sensitive issues during prayer requests. And, and if this is something that, uh, that was done at your church, you know, with the right heart, I think you, you can share it with them and say, you know, look, this, is, this isn't something that... that uh, I think needed to happen, um, and we need to keep this information private, and, and that's okay. But going forward, yes, that's the way it should be handled, is keep explicit details, unnecessary details, out and out of the prayer request, and that doesn't need to be shared among other people. And Tanya, you know, one other thing about this, 
what we've done in the Western Church is we've taken uh, like things like prayer requests and w we make them into things that we, where we lose the original intent. The whole purpose of corporate prayer and submitting prayer requests is so that we can pray for one another. And and if we turn it into uh, you know a, a, a system that communicates gossip or even slander slanders other people uh, and we veil it in the form of a phrase saying you know pray for so and so because this is what's going on that doesn't honor the Lord and those are the kind of things that too many Christians they cloak with Christianese and the way that they talk but it's really a form of gossip and it grieves the Lord it dishonors the Lord and misrepresents the Lord in every way instead of lifting up people and praying for them we bring them down low and, and, and we soil their character and God would never do that and so Thank you, Tanya, for doing that. Thank you for bringing it up, and thank you for, for your discernment. Uh, that's definitely something that's not okay. And so I hope that helps. We've got a few minutes left of this first half edition, so I think I can take um, one question before we go. Uh, this is a question from Anonymous. Uh, it says, how do you handle interpersonal conflict with a fellow believer who does not want to reconcile? Well, uh, un unfortunately, I think I have another question related to this, and we'll deal with this in the second half. But the quick answer is, if for Romans chapter 12, Paul the Apostle tells us, this is Jesus speaking through the Paul the Apostle, tells us, look, as far as it depends upon you, you be at peace with all men. But if that effort to, to, to reconcile is not reciprocated by the other party, then there's, well, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't force other people to reconcile. All you can do is control what your own heart does. And, and if your heart is right with the Lord, then what you'll do is you'll go and make amends, at least try to, uh, try to make amends. And, and then if the other person, should the Lord work on their heart, comes to the same conclusion and they realize that they need to repent as well, well then good. Praise the Lord. That's how we're godly people handle conflict. But, it, Anonymous, when your, your question says how to handle it when a fellow believer does not want to reconcile, well, you do the best that you can. And you be at peace with God. You and you continue walking with Jesus. You don't let that slow you down. Because, uh, you know, the Lord is going to do a work in their heart. Now, it's up to them whether they want to resist it or not. But the Holy Spirit will speak to them and convict them of what they know, already know to be wrong. And while the Lord is dealing with them, you're free. You're free to continue walking with the Lord unencumbered, uh, without uh, restraint, walking with Jesus. And you know the best part about that, Anonymous, is that uh, you are without 
any grudges. You're not holding any grudges. Um, you are entrusting that person and this relationship to the Lord. It's not your responsibility to, to, to fix things. You let Jesus, the one who can heal broken relationships, you let him take care of it. And then you walk with Jesus. And so Anonymous, I, I hope that helps. Again, I, I've got another question with a little different aspect, from a different aspect, but it's related. Uh, the second half of the show, I think, we'll, we'll take that one. But, uh, you know, this is one of the most heartbreaking things as a pastor we deal with. When we see the people whom we love, the people whom Jesus loves so much, not getting along, butting heads with one another, getting angry with one another, holding grudges against one another. That's not the way it should be. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. In fact, in the next chapter, he goes on to say, have no debt to one another except for the debt of love. So when you, when you have conflicts with other believers and they don't r reciprocate the efforts to resolve, Anonymous, make sure your heart is right with the Lord and you try your best to reconcile. It doesn't happen yet. You keep walking with Jesus in the hope that the veil may be lifted from their eyes and they would repent. Then you'll be in a place where fellowship can be restored. I hope that helps, Anonymous. Well, you can hear the music, guys. We're at the end of the first half of the Tuesday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the Tuesday edition to the word to stand on for life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado. And if you are a regular listener to the show and you just tuned in, you're probably surprised to hear my voice because it's not Pastor Ron's voice. Pastor Ron is on, uh, is out of the, the office uh, this week, actually the first half of this week. He's at a conference in California. Uh, he was there yesterday. He'll be there all day today. And then tomorrow he'll be back in San Antonio, but in the late afternoon. So he won't be here for the radio show uh, tomorrow either. So I have the great... Uh, privilege of filling in uh, for today's show and for tomorrow's show as well. So, with that, the show continues. Uh, this is a Bible question and answer show. Anything we can do to help you uh, put the Word of God into practice in your life? To anything we can do to to help you understand what the Word of God says, what you believe, why why you believe it, why we believe it, and this is important because the Bible is given to us by God so that we can know His heart and know His mind, and 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 to have an understanding of God's Word is imperative, and if we're going to put it into practice, and so with that, that's why we're here. Let me give you the phone numbers to call in. With your questions, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. The toll-free number is 877-630-5757. 
877-630-5757. We also have uh, an email address, which is questions at calvarysa.com, questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, if you didn't hear in the first half and you just tuned in, uh, Pastor Ron wanted me to communicate uh, to his radio li- listening audience how much he loves you, how much he misses you. Both uh, Pastor Ron and Paula will be back here in the radio studio uh, taking your calls on Thursday for the date day edition. Uh, so I had ended the uh, first half of the show uh, talking about uh, reconciling. There's a question from Anonymous about how to handle interpersonal relationships within the, the church uh, among believers when one person wants to reconcile and the other one doesn't. And and I'd mentioned how uh, in response to that, uh, it actually ties in into another question that I was going to deal with in the second half. And so um, let me read that question now. This question also from Anonymous It says, if we set boundaries with people who continue to sin or continue to be difficult against us, how do we handle it when it is our child? And so in in the same way that I I answered the previous question about dealing with interpersonal relationships uh, within the church, uh, the answer is a little bit different here because we're talking about a, a parent with a child. But here's the first thing that, that we need to remember. Uh, among all believers, when Paul is addressing the church in uh, Romans chapter 12, what he's doing is giving uh, adult Christians a, a way to resolve their issues, their, their conflicts. And that's by um, taking the initiative. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. And then I went on to say, and then Paul the Apostle says in the next chapter, make sure there is it, there's no debt among each other except for owing each other the debt of love. That's what Paul says. That's what Jesus tells us and how to resolve issues in relationship, relationships among believers. But this question is a little bit different because... It, the anonymous person says, how do we handle it when it's our child? Well, there's a couple things here that are important. Uh, when Paul is addressing the church in Romans, he's not talking about a parent and child relationship. Anonymous, what you need to remember here, when your child is being difficult, you, you need to remember that you're the parent and the child is the child. And God has given you uh, direction in how to parent your child. Ephesians chapter 6 is a wonderful place uh, among many, but Ephesians chapter 6 gives instruction both to the child and also to the parent. Fathers don't exasperate your children, but, but they still need to be disciplined. Children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. So Anonymous, when your child is in continuous sin, the first thing you need to do is correct them, to discipline them. And you do that according to their age. And if they continue in their disobedience, in their rebellion, then then you have to discipline in them in a way where it starts to make them think that they can't get away with it anymore. 
you are the one parent who sets the rules of the house. This is Jesus's house, you tell them. And we're going to abide by his rules. They're, they're, they're not your rules that you made up, but they're Jesus's rules. And if the child refuses. Now, if they're at an age where they, they still can't comprehend that they're a, a young toddler, uh, well, then that's different. That's, you know, that's where you know, the parent also needs to rely upon Holy Spirit and use the patience that, God's give, that God gives to, to deal with children. And, and patience is required at, at every age when you're raising children, but especially when they're younger and they don't know any better. But if your child continues in sin, the way you handle it, Anonymous, is by rightly representing the Lord and disciplining them in love. You need to model Jesus Christ so that they will see a Jesus that is so attractive in you that when they come of age and they realize, you know what, they're the ones that's wrong, they'll say they'll want mommy or daddy's Jesus. I hope that helps Anonymous. Let's go back to our phone lines. Uh, line one, Drew in North Carolina. You're on the air. Great to hear your voice, Pastor Ken. How you doing? I'm doing well, Drew. It's great to hear your voice as well. I miss you. I miss you too. Um, having recently moved out of the San Antonio area here to Fayetteville, North Carolina, of course, the horrific event this weekend really, really touched my heart from more than one perspective. Uh, my question is, do you think this might spur denominations to think about posting some sort of security looks, lookouts when services are underway? I mean, we had that event in Charleston, South Carolina, where Right. A deranged individual went inside, and I forget how many were killed, but uh, it's it's just it's just gone beyond belief what uh, what we've been experiencing. So I'll take your comments off the air, and uh, I hope to see you in early January when I make a return visit to San Antonio. Love you. Bye bye. Uh Oh, thanks, Drew. And, and if you're still listening, Drew, uh, I, I, we haven't forgotten about your Joy of Jesus shirt. In fact, we have it ready. It's going to be shipped to you sometime this week. So uh, expect that to be arriving in the mail sometime soon. Uh, so, Drew, yes, we miss you. Absolutely. Let me get right to the question. Uh, Will denominations take on security, additional security measures uh, to prevent this from happening? The truth is, I, I don't know. I don't know what other churches are going to do. You know, on the pastor's panel yesterday, that was one of the questions that came up. And what our churches are going to do. Now, we do need to have something in place. We need to make sure our people are protected uh, within the church. But this is important. Uh, the church is a safe place to be. Now, why these things happened and how these things happened, uh, they happened because of sin. And when people want to sin, they will sin. They'll do whatever it takes. And even it, unimaginable things like this. These are things that are a result of a sinful heart. 
Now, as it pertains to your question and what specific churches are going to do, again, that's really up to them. There is no uh, model. On, you know, some churches will have, uh, you know, security guards. That I, I don't think that's necessary, but that's up to them. The pastor will do what he feels is led to do. Um, and some churches, that they won't. Um, what I can speak for uh, is for us here at Calvary Chapel, um, we are going to make sure to the best of our ability that people here are entirely safe. We have uh, um, people standing at the doors uh, at all times. Um, we have uh, people keeping an eye out that the, the pastors and the leadership here are, are, are they're not dressed in uniform. They're, we're sitting at church listening to a Bible study, but also being alert to what's going on around us. Um, we, we make sure all of our, um, our children's church uh, servants are, are well vetted and, and that everyone is, has responsibilities. No, no children are ever left alone. And, and I think that's, you do the best that you can do. Um, when it comes to horrific events like this, Drew, um, there is a responsibility to, to make sure that your people are safe. Um, but then you've also got to trust the Lord. I mean, y you can't build walls and, and uh, you know, put on airport security measures at, at church. Uh, you, we want people to come in, but we also want to keep people safe. And so for us personally, we're going to continue doing what we do. We, 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 we have... Uh, a whole bunch of San Antonio Police Department officers that, that actually come to church here. Um, there's always eyes everywhere, and that's the best that we can do. And as for other churches, I, I, I based on what our discussion revolved around yesterday, uh, me and the other pastors that were on the panel, they, they are all taking measures to do their best to make sure they keep their people safe. And that's the right thing to do. And so, do I hope that helps. It, it was great hearing from you and can't wait to see you again. I will say something, and this isn't what Drew asked, but uh, because it's still fresh on our hearts. Um, you know, with what happened at Sutherland Springs just a couple of days ago, it's not something that anyone could foresee. But Jesus wasn't taken by surprise. We do our best to make sure we're prepared. But we always want the focus to be on Jesus. We want the focus to be on the teaching of his word so that the, the spirit of God can use the, the word of God to touch the hearts of people whom he loves and that people would repent and that people would get saved. And, you know, if, if, if a church would employ... You know, security measures that are a distraction to that, then I, I don't think it serves its purpose anymore. And again, churches do what they think is best. As for us here, we want the focus to be on Jesus. We want the focus to be on the teaching of his word. And we want people to know that they are absolutely safe. That they will be safe. Ah. Another thing about uh, Sutherland Springs, you know, and I would 
request. I already know that the radio listening audience is in constant prayer for the community there at Sutherland Springs. Please continue in prayer for the families, uh, for, for Pastor Frank uh, Pomeroy, for his family, uh, for the church there at First Baptist. And that community is so tight-knit. We have family here in our church body that, that had family that were injured or, or even killed in that, that shooting. And it's very near and dear to our hearts. You know, that the, the area of Sutherland Springs is probably 30, 45 minutes away from us. But it's, it's really close. We share the same vicinity. We're in the same vicinity. And, and dealing with this is one where we have to run to Jesus and take his word and hold it close to our hearts. Christians, you're the ones that God wants to use to come alongside those who are hurting. We mourn with those who are mourning. We grieve with those who are grieving. This isn't about uh, politics. This isn't about... It isn't even about security measures in the church. This is about hearts hurting and being comforted with the Spirit of God, knowing that He's right there to help them. He's the, the, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And maybe, maybe through this horrific event, there would be some people that get saved. There would be people who realize in that community there, I know for a fact there are, there's at least one friend, a family friend of, in Sutherland Springs, who is very near and dear to one of the families here in Calvary Chapel. And, and they are not believers. And uh, right now, God is doing a work in their hearts where they're starting to realize, you know what, what's most important? Well, we want people like that to know that Jesus loves them and he's willing to forgive them of their sin if they would come and repent. And even if there's evil that surrounds us, we have Jesus who lives in us, who's greater than anything else and anyone. And so, Christians keep praying for the community there at Sutherland Springs. And Sutherland Springs and that whole church family there, uh, there are millions of people praying for you. Throughout the nation, even throughout the world, people have been praying. Yesterday we were getting emails from uh, friends, uh, affiliated Friends of Calvary Chapel in, in, in Orange County wanting to come out so that they can provide counseling help. And that's just what the people of God do. And so, thank you, Drew. Uh, thank you for that. And I hope you get your shirt soon, your Joy of Jesus shirt soon. Uh, let's move on to the next question. I got a question here from Debbie. Why did Abigail say, your God, when she was speaking to David? Um, that this is a question that uh, I actually took in, in person, but uh, um, wanted to share it on the air because uh, 
I love this chapter in First Samuel 25, and I think the significance of it is easily lost when we just focus on one thing that, that Abigail says. You know, Pastor Ron was teaching, he's still teaching through First Samuel, but this particular chapter, well, he taught just a few weeks ago. I really encourage you to, to listen to it. But this is the answer to your question, Debbie. When Abigail is speaking to David in First Samuel chapter 25, you remember the story there. Nabal, Abigail's husband, was an unkind man, a very unkind man. To put it plainly, he was a jerk. And uh, what, what David wanted to do was uh, send his men over to Nabal and ask for, for help. I mean, Nabal, he has been nice to Nabal. He took care of Nabal's men when they were over with David. And so now David has uh, some men over with Nabal. And he said, could you give him something to eat? And Nabal's response was, was a crude and a rude and a selfish response. And his response was basically, why should I give them my food, my water, my bread, my, my, my meat? Uh, David got upset when he heard the response. And, and this is the key. This is why I, want, why I wanted to set the context. Because David, at this point, was, was going to begin a test. And his test was going to see whether or not he was going to respond in a godly way. You see, in the previous chapter, he was already tested with Saul. And he passed that test. He responded in a godly manner. Now he's about to fail. He gets so upset uh, that Nabal would not provide for his men. He gets so upset at Nabal's response. He's offended. He says, men, let's go. We're going to kill this guy on the way to kill Nabal. Abigail comes out, and then they have this conversation. And Debbie, this is where uh, your question lies. It's in verse 29. Even This is Abigail speaking. She says, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the, by the living, excuse me, by the bundle living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away, as from the pocket of a sling. Now, her words were chosen very carefully. About seven times around this passage, maybe five before, two after, uh, Abigail speaking to David doesn't say your God. She's saying the Lord our God, the Lord God. But this one time in verse 29, which you bring out, Debbie, she says, the Lord your God. And, and when we read that, we usually think, oh, well, this is a person who isn't saved, doesn't know the Lord, but not in this case, not at all. God sent Abigail to keep David from failing this test. She was reminding David, look, God, your God, David, your God will get you through this. You do not need to take matters into your own hands. Do not fail this test, David. You're about to commit something that will ruin your entire legacy and prevent you from ascending to the throne that God has prepared for you. Don't ruin everything with this one momentary flesh. And so with that, David is kind of brought to his senses and she stops him from doing something that 
he would have regretted. Now, I love the practical application for this because Jesus will do the same thing to us. He will take care of us in our time of testing. Will our faith be tested? Yes. And, and our faith will be tested in ways where, where we are weak so that we can know that God is strong. It's the Spirit of God that will carry us to obedience. But in this moment where David is about to give in to his flesh and take matters into his own hands, it makes complete sense. And he's driven by his emotions. He wants to kill him. He's stopped in his tracks. It's almost like the Apostle Paul going to take matters into his own hands in Damascus. He stopped in his tracks on the road to Damascus. Jesus does the same thing to us. When you are tested, Christians, and you are tested in a way that where you automatically respond in your flesh, don't give in. Because you, it only takes one time to do something that you will regret for the rest of your life and you could ruin everything that the Lord has done. That's why we need to remember we're engaged in a warfare that goes beyond the physical realm. We need to be with Jesus every moment of every day so that we can hear His voice and respond in the Spirit and be appropriate in our response. So, Debbie, I hope that helps. I love the fact that Abigail, this godly young woman, comes and, and brings David to his senses, and she does it through humility. I hope that helps. We have, I got less than two minutes here on the show, so I don't have any more time to take calls or, or any more questions, but uh, I will elaborate a little bit on on what has been going on recently and and hopefully if anyone here listening to the show wasn't able to listen to yesterday's podcast you can catch it on the KSLR website KSLR.com the pastor's uh, panel there there's a podcast for, for everyone to listen uh, there were a whole bunch of pastors there that I probably don't have time to, to go over but there are lots of great encouragement uh, but here's the thing I want you to remember in your time of testing Lean on Jesus. I heard that Pastor Frank uh, Pomeroy was on KSAT News. I didn't get to see it, but when asked about his response and asked about what happened, his response was, I don't know why it happened, but I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to lean on Jesus. And I love that. That is a man who is hurting. Not only was damage done to the families whom he cares about so much, but his own daughter was taken. And yet he responded in the godliest of ways by pointing people to Jesus. Guys, that's what I want you to do. Well, you can hear the music. This is the Tuesday edition that comes still close now for the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken. I will return here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. I'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Praise the Lord.